but also like stressed that that's going to affect me, you know? <laughs> yeah, did you, did you ever watch uh, Saturday Night Live? Uh, no, but I can, I know what it is. Yeah, there's there's like what you might call a classic sketch from back when Chris Farley was alive and was on the show, and he interviewed Paul McCartney, and the whole the whole joke of the sketch was that he was way way nervous and a huge Beatles fan, and so he's sitting there talking to Sir Paul McCartney, right? And it is the legit Paul McCartney. He was the guest that night, and all he can do is just there and be like, "You remember, remember when you were in the Beatles." And Paul McCartney's like, yeah. He's like, that was awesome. <laughs> and so I'm worried that that's, that's really just going to turn into me. I'm just going to be like, Ross, you remember you remember that time you played bagpipes really great? Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to try really hard to not let my fandom make me too nervous to talk to you. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it'll be okay. Uh, well, listen, uh, I've, I've been, I've been kind of like sheepish about it, like nervous to ask you, but wanting to ask you onto the show, like ever since I started the show, partly because I loved the interview you did with the Chandorant guys a while ago. Um, All right. I think that was recent after the Roke had first come out, if I remember right. Yeah, it was recent. After, maybe it was, it was around the time the book was coming out. Ah, uh, yeah, um, that makes sense. So it was, it was, uh, I was on the, the promotion campaign. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I, I switched, well, we could talk about it a bit more later, but I switched focus from non-pipe band people to as many pipe band people as I could, or piping people as I could. Yeah, was yeah. basically the... <laughs> that certainly makes the, sense. Yeah, there's the, it, it's it's a, uh, like a, a niche. It, it's funny that like, I don't know if you found this, but it seems to me almost like we are as a piping community, because we're kind of niche, there's also like an intense kind of loyalty there as well. Yeah. And so like yeah, yeah. maybe you as an artist and you know, I wouldn't know this. I'm just kind of assuming like you maybe do kind of have to like, which it, you might have to ask yourself sometimes like, which audience am I working for here? Am I working yeah. for the general public or am I working for my piping people? Kind of yeah, thing. Well that, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of which I'm always curious, with a high-profile like recording and performing, but also competing piper like yourself, what does what does a gig look like these days? Like, do you does Ross Miller still get like just like the random person who might not even know who you are? They just want a piper for their wedding or for their funeral or something, and they just like email you and just like you know just like I need a piper and you're a piper who lives nearby. Do you still get gigs like that, or is it pretty much like people yeah, know yeah. who you are? You do really? No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's. Like I would say, at least fifty percent of my wow. my income is like that. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny, man, because like I imagine, like if I imagine if I was there, you know, like if I was like a guest at the at the at the at the wedding or something, right? Just being like, do you guys realize who you hired? <laughs> do you even know how good you've got it that you got this piper for this gig? You know, no offense to any gigging piper, of course. Like I'm sure everybody's good at their craft, right? But be like, you you could have got any random you know piper but you got ross yeah. miller do you understand no, that, <laughs> that's definitely the luck of, like you know the, the, not the luck of the draw but you know it's it's definitely a thing and talk, yeah. i talk about that quite often with my my colleagues and we i've got a wedding band and you know that's like they don't know people don't know if they're good or not <laughs> like it's, it's, it's where where do you draw the line of what you're happy to provide <laughs> right totally totally and so like but like the I, it's got to be like you strike me as a very like down-to-earth you know, like humble, reasonable person, right? So I can't imagine that you'd ever be like a, a total prima donna about it or anything like that, right? But like, have you ever had an experience where, I don't know, somebody like treated you like almost as if like they were like double checking with you that you actually had credentials? Like, you know, like, hey, like you can do this, right? You know, like I, I really need somebody to play my daughter down the aisle when she's getting married. 
can you handle that? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, have you, yeah, how long, how long have you been playing? Up. You know, like checking up on you kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, no, to be honest, not really. I think it's it's more like a kind of like, you know, because my website or whatever, they're mm. trying to kind of find me through agency. It's kind of you're already ratified as someone who can play the pipe. So I don't yeah, think it's yeah. much of a, a thing. That, that's, that's maybe more of a, it might even be a more of a North American thing. Ah, yes. <laughs> a, that's that's that that may very well be my experience speaking because I like, do you know, like, like personally checking, I run into that yeah, all the like, time. Yeah, like like checking that like people can actually do the job. Maybe I don't know. Yes, that's especially fun. if it's something yeah. you're not so so like you know you don't know much about maybe as well. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's got to be the case. It's certainly the case for me personally. It's got to be the case for a lot of people up here that um, when somebody hires you for bagpipes, this might be the one and only time they actually encounter bagpipes in real life yeah. for their whole life. So. No, no, for sure. So, do you listen to a lot of bagpipes? Uh, yes, I would say over the years, actually, I've listened to less bagpipes. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as I don't know, I don't know why. Like, I still, I used to when I'm growing up. Like my, you know how like Apple has changed from like mm-hmm. you, know, you had to buy all the iTunes, right, and then totally. like now it's like Apple Music or Spotify or whatever. But when I was growing up, you used to have to like buy the songs for 79p to put them on your iPod mm-hmm. and that, that kind of thing. And I used to buy like all the world CDs and all this kind of stuff, all the pipe band CDs. So when I shuffle on my, my phone, if I go, get into the car and it like defaults to mm-hmm. kind of factory settings, I get loads and loads of pipe band stuff yeah, yeah. all the time and solo piping and things. But now I, I certainly wouldn't listen to that. I maybe have a YouTube session now and then after competitions or whatever, but Sure. Um, no, I, I listen to certainly probably bagpipe based trad music um, as well. But um, yeah. no, I, 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 that's probably what I listen to most. But then kind of just edging into just general kind of trad music. Like if I was walking along the street, that's what I'd probably be listening to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just like, yeah, just kind of hard, hardcore trad like music with other instruments, I think is more what I mean, rather than just like solid sure. piping. Yeah. Um, unless saying, I'm trying yeah. to learn up tune or a P brick or something. Naturally, yeah. Yeah, I kind of try to internalize it. Yeah. I, I was thinking, like, as we roll into the episode, maybe we'll hear a sample of the... It may, I thought it would make a lot of sense to just hear a sample of the opening track of, of the rope, the, that reels track. as an example like do you think that maybe listening to other trad music and other music in general does that influence then stuff that you write and that you make like if you were only listening to competition solo piping would your would the would the rogue ever have even happened and if it did would it yeah. sound a lot different yeah no I, I it would absolutely have not ever happened mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah and yeah you can use ideas you know kind of what works well you you've, have you heard things that are successful you try and kind of apply that to your your own thing as yeah, well. yeah, um, and that's for sure. But yep. having the right right people on the on board as well to like make it sound good because all I have to do is play the tune when I know that the people around me are actually good. Right, that's <laughs> that's something I wanted to ask you about. Um, maybe maybe like a really good example of it would be um, I don't know. I 
far be it for me to like pass any kind of judgment. Of course, like it's not like I'm like qualifying your work. Of course, right? But but for me personally, I find that the track track number three on that album, uh, Granny Betty's, that yeah. that one is the track that of all of them is constantly running in my head. interesting to me because like it's not like it's crazy fast finger work or anything yeah, like it's, it's sure, pretty sparse yeah, yeah. and simple but it's something about how melodic it is it's just beautiful and it really is an earworm for me it gets stuck in there and i i always wonder like to what degree did you sit down and write on a piece of paper exactly what you wanted oh shoot i was gonna remember your pianist's name what is his name um was it was it was it rory matheson was he playing piano yeah, on rory matheson. yeah 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 so to what degree did you write down exactly what you wanted Rory to play? Or to what degree was it more like, hey, Rory, here's my melody line. Will you, yeah. you know, and then see what Rory comes up with for the piano? Yeah, ba- ba- basically exactly that, the, mm. the second option. So like, yeah, I wrote the tune, the first tune in that for my granny. And then I found another tune, like the three, four marches, like uh, it's in the Scott Guards book from, um, and it's it's about like, you can see the Sparrow Strewy, it's called, and the Strewy hill is right opposite my granny's house mm. so you can see it so it's like kind of trying to make it um kind of tied together yeah that's beautiful, and then, yeah. yeah and and then he um he then like added his accompaniment and I was like, oh but it was more i guess it was more like oh can you come in on this but maybe kind of like high and then like fill it out more here yeah and then like you know kind of do that or can you maybe play the tune the first time through the the three four march and then i'll come back in for a bit of impact like you, ha- you have a bit kind of an idea of a structure in your head but I certainly let, because these guys know a lot more about it than I do, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to pretend that I, I do, but, like, you know, I know what sounds good and what I like and what I don't like, so they would maybe give me options. I'm sure, like, oh, what yeah. about this or what about that? And then you're like, oh, the second one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's maybe more of a, it's maybe more of a kind of thing. Yeah. Again, it's not—it's not like it's up to me to pass judgment, right? But I can imagine that, like, maybe maybe that's part of why it's such a great track is that, like, it came out of open collaboration, and so the parts really play together nicely because that's kind of how they develop. Yeah, no, I, I think so. Yeah, and I would hope that that's what the whole thing is like—is mm. like um, that that was the kind of the process for everything apart from the piano and pipe tracks. I worked with the guitarist to like we sat down in my house and I was like, this is the tunes we're going to play. This is the order. This is how many times, mm. like this is kind of like how I'm feeling the groove. And then he would like write the chords and the kind of rhythm. And then we went into a rehearsal and told everyone else what they were going to play. Mm. Gotcha. Like yeah. the two of us kind of say, oh, like, oh, the drums come in here or, 
could you do a bit here and that, that kind of thing but like we really let the the musicians who you've kind of chosen to be there like actually pick what yeah. they're going to play or so it makes it more kind of real rather because like i can't tell someone who plays the guitar like how to play the guitar better right. but i can tell them like when to play it <laughs> i, I guess. think I think there are some artists out there, though, who would still tell them, <laughs> even though they didn't know what they were talking about, they'd say, do it better, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's that, I guess, but there's also, yeah. like, you know, and from, you can have a basic idea of how the card structure would be, but then they can also come to you and say, oh, actually, I think this card would work better, or, yeah. or what do you think of this card, and it makes it more of a kind of collaborative thing, but also just creates, like, a better, kind of maybe, energy and kind of vibe yes. than, like, like, scoring the whole thing to the heavens, Right, right, right. You know, like every instrument scored from start to finish, like that. That feels a bit kind of too rigid for for mm. trial music, just in general. Like I don't really know many bands that would do that. They'd have obviously card charts, but like you would even if you like you were playing with bands, you would like select what you were playing based on the card chart. If you were the bassist or if you were right, the pianist, right. it's it's not like you, you wouldn't tend to get like here is the baseline that you must play. That's interesting. That like I. I, 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 let's see, who's that Gaita player? I want to say Carlos Nunez. Is that the right yeah, person? Car- yeah, there's Carlos Nunez or, um, was it Ansel Lorenzo? Ansel Lorenzo, that's right. He's amazing too. I think I'm thinking of Carlos, Carlos Nunez. Yeah, he, he um, Carlos Nunez writes, writes a lot of like music and kind of tries to play, he not tries to perform it, performs it. This, but this, like, you know, it's, yeah. Maybe it's reductive, but is Carlos Nunez the one who's bald on top with long hair around the edges? Uh, I think that's yes. the one I'm thinking of. Yes. <laughs> but, but I, I, I think it was him who said something about. I think he said something like, uh, the magic of, and I think he was saying Celtic music. You know, he said like the magic of it is that it's a com, it's community music, right? Just kind yeah. of, kind of talking about how it's, it's all collaborative. It's all collaborative, right? And I wonder if that's generally applicable to trad as well. That like when yeah. it's done right, it's done as a, as a community, in a collaborative yeah. way. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. Mm. Um, is yeah certainly as you say it comes from a place of people like, i guess the very origins of it is just like people sitting around like the fire if, if you want to have mm. the idyllic scottish thing right people yeah. sitting around playing a bit of the kind of diddly d yeah is, is, a bit of the diddly is, d i love that <laughs> is, is is kind of like where it's all kind of stemmed from sitting around people have taken right? that yeah yeah pe- and people have kind of taken that and kind of ran with it modernized it or like being like, oh, that like that's that tune from there. I'll play it, but I'll play it differently. And then yeah, right. the next person hears it and learns it like that, and they pass it on to their person, who then kind of takes it and runs it again. So what, like, how the tune started hundreds of years ago is not how it is now. Yeah. But then it's also not how it will be in a hundred years' time, I guess. Right. Which totally. is why it's why it probably all still survives. It's the same same goes for just like pure piping, as well. But mm-hmm. you know, like kind of like you know competition piping, not competition piping, but like, yeah any kind of pipe tune it's not how like you know you hear like the band the kind of top bands at the time play the music and then like the lower maybe grade bands play that music five years down the line and then the grade one bands if you like come out with a new new thing and then five years down the line the lower grade bands are playing that again it's and it kind of that's how it yeah. develops yeah yeah absolutely though, though it does occur to me like and and this may well be like my relative inexperience but like to, to me from where i'm sitting it does feel very much like you you maybe have a foot in each of two kind of different ways of doing music because like on the one hand there is that like it's constantly shifting always changing so many different kinds of you know ways to do a tune from piper to piper but also from time to time etc and then the other foot is in like this you know if you're going to walk up to a judge and hand them the setting for a tune you're going to play it exactly as it is you know what i mean yeah no yeah and that's 
and that's the thing and that's the, i think that makes it it's about i guess maybe try to diversify yourself as a musician and piper mm. but also just like that that's what you've got to play at that time so if you want to play in that competition you've got to play how you've got to play in that competition mm. if you want to play in the Inverary pipe band you've got to play exactly how Stuart Little tells you to play and but if you're playing on your own and like my band I can play exactly how I want to play or if I'm playing in the Chili Pipers I play mm. how like I'm told to play in the Chili Pipers or, or I kind of feel that I should play in the Chili Pipers as that's, well. kind of, that's kind of cool that you get like different modes of Ross Miller playing yeah. music from from in like different contexts um, no yeah for sure that that's that's why that's why i like it as well that's yeah. like the, the way i the way my kind of life is is not just like you're not just doing what either what you're told or you know but but you there is like that kind of discipline as well yeah because i enjoy that too now it, it it did surprise me a little bit with that with that track granny betty's um that like i don't know to me it seems like if if you were going to write on paper like here's my plan i'm going to play a uh you know a, a bagpipe plus piano duet then i mm. would assume that you'd be going with small pipes of some kind. I would assume you weren't going to go with Highland pipes. Now it works. It's awesome. Like what an amazing track. Like I say, it's my favorite track on there, especially when you get a little bit of scratch on that high A and stuff. And, and <laughs> honestly too, Ross, like one of the things that really strikes me is like part of the, one of the most beautiful things about the track is when the pipes have cut out and then when they come back in and you've got that moment of not tuned madness, you know, before yeah, the chanter the drone, cuts into the, yeah. the big build up. Exactly. The buildup is so good with that dissonance. But like if you had described it to me without, you know, actually playing it, I would have thought like, no, that's why it won't work. You got to go with small pipes, right? So that you can come in yeah. in tune and stuff. But no, this is like, it actually works really well. So how, how does a Highland pipe and piano duet even start to come together? Like, do you just turn up the amp on the piano real loud? Or are you sitting back with a, with a, with a blare chanter that you can turn down, you know, you know, for the jam sessions, I mean. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we we did, yeah, that's exactly what we did. I, I actually have one of those, I've got a Blair Chanter now, but um, at the time when we were doing that, I had one of those Ross electric chanters, oh, you know, yeah, the yeah. ones yeah. with the box on the top of them. Yeah, like classic. It's like a, a total, a total retro thing. Yeah, it's like the original electronic chanter, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had it for years and years. And um, so I just used that and I just had that at B flat and I just had, like, mm. I just literally had that on and that's what we played. Um, and then I just did it on the pipes, but the the whole there wasn't really a conscious decision to play Highland pipes ever. It was just like I'm doing this album, and the whole thing is on Highland pipes. It's yeah. not like it wasn't like oh I'm gonna oh I, I didn't even I thought you know I didn't even consider for a second hmm. like looking back playing on smaller border pipes it, like ever in any of the tracks. It was like I'm doing them all on Highland pipes, and I'm only going to play Highland pipes. I made that decision as well. I wasn't going to play whistle or anything. Or yeah. it was just going to be pipes like pipes for the sake of pipes and try and kind of be as diverse as possible with the music and with the arrangements as like possible. The idea originally was it was going to be like a bow tie of an album, if you like. So like it starts mm. big and ends big. And it's like, there was just going to be like that piano pipes duet in the middle. And it kind of, kind of does that if you look at it, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it kind of maybe goes in and out just a wee bit more than, than that. in it's finished form. Oh, it totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. that that reels that opening track that the the reel set that is that's a great op- that's a big opening track and what a way to pull people in, man. Yeah, I, I I just I love that like the chanter and the and the percussion all come in just just grooving right from the start. That's a great opening. Was that always going to be track one, or or was there were there others other options you played with? No, that that was yeah, that was always try one like the yeah. kind of because it's like the drone, it's like the I guess it's like the pipes starting up. You think, oh, here we go, it's another piping album, and totally. then it's like 
bang and it's not well yeah. i guess it is it is but it's also not <laughs> right totally totally they're, they're, they're also you know since we mentioned granny betty's there's another one on there that not only thematically track 10 is, is the one that's called mum and dad's I don't know. Kind of to me, seemed like it had kind of a, a similar feel in, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. yeah. With, with either of those tracks, like these ones that I don't know, there's something about how how melodic they are, right? That that very pretty melody line. I just do. Is there any kind of lyric running through your head? Like, did you did, did lyrics start to bubble up in your head, or is this more? Are you more of a like image kind of guy, where you're like seeing scenes in people's faces as you're writing this music? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's like I. Well. I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to say like, oh yeah, I was looking out over the, mm. over the, the over hills the, and the highlands, over the glen, and, yeah, <laughs> and and like this melody came to me. I, I think it was a bit more than like more kind of, um, thing like just like, you know like walking along the street or something like, like you kind mm. of like start and then you I would just I write it in like my notes as like like E like E D C and then like and then if you if it's like a long C you like write a, like a dash. Uh, then, like, yeah, that's your system. You know, huh? that, that, like, that's kind of like how it goes. But um, and then sometimes you record like a voice note or whatever. But then you also look insane walking along the street, like diddling into your your phone. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, no, and there's that. And then like you know, because I'd written a tune for my dad's 60th birthday, mm. um, that I, I kind of like you know I had the beginnings of 68 March, and then it was coming up to his birthday. I was like, Do you know what, I'm going to like finish this, make it nice, frame it, and give it to him for his birthday. But then it obviously meant that I had to do the same for my mum's 60th birthday like a year later. You so had, I had to. to like, you set the precedent. Write, you know, well, yeah, you know, you set a precedent. It's also yeah. a great cheap present. Yeah, that's you know, true. It's, it's a, <laughs> if you're it's, good it's, at it, yeah. You yeah, you just whip it so out. You, right, yeah, write a tune. And, so yeah, and I guess I've probably got like bits and bobs of other, like, you know, I've always, you know, there's bits of bobs and tunes kind of input, like Sibelius files of half-written tunes and stuff. So yeah, yeah. if someone's like, can you write a tune or... Or as I say, there's an event coming up. You go in and go, oh, that was okay, and then try and finish it. Or it might kind of completely change, but at least you've got like the beginnings of an idea to kind of start right. from. Yeah. So yeah, so I think yeah, the, the, it was like something like that. Like I wrote them both, both those tunes for my like my parents' birthdays, and then um, like that was good titles, and then they kind of worked all right together. And then we thought because the Granny Betty's one worked nicely, it would be nice to do another kind of similar thing with the piano. Because that's something, as you say, it's not particularly done that often because no. there's a whole host of like tuning issues and a whole host of like scaredness. Totally. Like th- totally. Th- there is like pipe albums with piano on them, obviously, but it's more like you know, not. I don't can't think of other, many other tracks that are like just like that hardcore, just like two instruments. I think that's part like, of why it stands out so much. Yeah, it's it's a unique yeah, thing, anyway. and, and yeah. done beautifully. Like those, like I say, my favorite track. Right. Well, tracks really. I like both of those a lot. So pretty. Yeah. That's nuts. And and speaking of the tuning thing, like may, maybe it's too much to go into too much about, but like what the what what is going on with this equal temperament versus uh, just intonation thing? Like what even is this black magic that I'll never understand? Yeah, well, I think basically just intonation is um, 
when it's when there's a drone involved. Because if you if you have your drones and you tune your high G to equal temperament, it sounds mental sharp. Mm. Whereas because because something to do with like the harmonic with like within the harmonic range of like high G is not just high G, mm. and the drones are not just B flat or well it depends on what language we're going to talk talk about it as A. Yeah. But so like if the if the drones are A and the like if you play a piano. That that's equal temperament because because there's no drone if you like. Sure. Whereas when you've got the drones, it's like how it kind of blends into the drone harmonic. So mm. if you if you actually get like a harmonic kind of printout of like drones, there is like G's up high in in the drones. But yeah, overtones and stuff like that. Yeah, right? yeah. The overtone the overtone G is actually yeah. flatter than like equal temperament G. So then so when that you play the G, that, that makes so, it so yeah, yeah. If, if yeah if you it sounds super crunchy if you tune the G to to equal temperament and mm. still had the drone going but because there's that kind of whole thing um yeah like if you're playing with other instruments like do, and you maybe do have it like i do set my high g sharper than i would if i was playing solos or in the band mm. same with high a and c and mm. d and f maybe as well but like on my like on the pipes but you can if you're playing with an instrument you can't tell it's just when it becomes exposed it starts to sound like well that d is actually quite sharp mm. if you just play on your own so you maybe have to kind of bring it down just because when it's against the drones. Oh, that's very interesting. Well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just trying to kind of control it. Um, but the the equipment that's available to us now is such that it's quite easy to get your pipe sounding good and B flat. Yeah, yeah. But within reason, you know, if you if, and then like you know the the chanters are good now, whereas maybe like even like ten years ago they didn't used to be, um, right? As as consistent anyway. And it's the same with like any pitch. You know, it's easy to get your pipe band to sound good now because the chanters are all good, regardless of the level. Mm. Like you could, generally speaking, plug in and play. Obviously, there's varying degrees of success with that. But if you've got a pipe band and you just chuck in 10 chanters that have all come from the same factory and you put 10 reeds that have all come in the same factory, within reason, it's going to sound all right. Whereas oh, yeah. maybe like 20 years ago, that would not be the case because all the chanters would be handmade and they'd be different. And the, the reeds are all obviously handmade anyway but they would all be different as well yeah so there's so many variables whereas now you can make it sound okay straight from nothing which is the same with the b flat thing mm-hmm. absolutely and what once you start getting like kind of working in that area of b flat it becomes like it comes a wee bit it becomes easy to get your pipes going and you start to think about that a bit more and you can you know how you're going to tune your pipes differently for that versus how you tune them to be in a pipe band or in solos or how how many well. of how many how many of those like sort of like musical languages have you ended up uh you know having to speak over over your your career so far you, you know, know like... I I yeah, I played the so I played the trombone at school ah yeah um so like I had like a kind of knowledge that's the bass you read bass clef for that so that means that I'm like kind of fluent in bass and treble clef if you like mm-hmm. and then you're talking like B flat and then you just you, if you just learn the scale in B flat language, it becomes easy to speak to people about it. Mm. Cause you, you just, you just do the conversion in your head. So like, I know that when I'm thinking I'm talking about D, I know that that's E flat. And it's like, I know when I'm talking about high G it's A flat, things my, like that. My so eyes like, just went crossed a little bit trying to follow you. <laughs> but yeah. So, but you know, so that I know that low A is B flat. Yeah. So you just like, so you know, as soon as like, if I'm speaking to someone about like, I'll make sure that we like, you know, let's both play the, the b flat at the same time like you could talk like that straight away and just it's just from doing it 
yeah you, you start to speak like that instead of being like oh make sure your a because if you say make sure your a is the same the, the note that they're thinking you're talking about is completely different to the note that you're playing yeah as well as a piper but so so then of course you also know piper language like you you just did it for us a couple of minutes ago where like if you're talking to pipers you know that we just need you to talk in a right yeah yeah of course <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that makes it it makes it easy because because pi- pipers are stupid that's as right. well like, and and I mean that in the nicest way possible, and I include and I do include myself in that. So if anyone's listening and thinking that I'm uh, I'm being mean to other pipers and I'm looking down on them, I'm not. I include myself in the being stupid camp. Yeah. No. Look, Ross. I think that I think that even if some people, I think, have said it out loud, and even if we haven't said it out loud, I think all of us recognize and accept that you're like the world's nicest piper. <laughs> here's an example here's an example of, of 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 why like one example of how so when i first emailed you asking you to come on the show i copied and pasted part of a paragraph that i had just earlier that day put into an, a similar email that i sent to Catherine uh tickle the the oh, yeah. uh, northumbrian piper and, and so <laughs> and so in the email that i sent to you I missed oh, her yeah, name. It says Catherine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I said something like, in, "In this case, hopefully I can like help get a few album sales for Catherine or something like that." So, and you didn't even mention it. You're still just like, "Yeah, I'll come on the show." You bet. So, so yeah, I, either you're no... just really nice, or you're also a big Catherine Tickle fan, and we're going to try to yeah, sell well, some of yeah. her albums today. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, it's, it's just more. I just I, I think it, it. I've learned over the time because well, it's, it's nice to be nice, and I it's appreciate nice when people it. are nice to me, and yeah. I do try to like you know be nice and if i can hey and and kind of along those lines too uh ross you you also have been i've heard it noted by multiple people that you look happy when you play bagpipes <laughs> so and no one else does and no one else does well that's the thing even myself we become very statuesque often when we're playing pipes you know and and the thing is like now taking note of this like even on your on your website your website has this like excellent like um collage of like images and youtube videos and stuff like that and there's like a corner of it where it's just like this great collection of you not actually doing the big smile face but like the the crazy eyebrows face you know yeah do you, do you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 how many how much of this comes very naturally to you or did you used to be a stoic statuesque piper and because of being on camera and stuff you started going you know what i need to move around a little more i need to you know like show show emotion like does that come out naturally or was that a conscious effort on your part <laughs> I think I think I don't know if it's a conscious effort. It's maybe more just trying to be a bit more relaxed. Like I certainly like was, you know, obviously I grew up in a pipe band situation mm. where it's like stand still and, you know, make sure that you're standing up straight and all this kind of stuff. And mm. then, you know, the more I started to perform on stage and like, you know, it was actually probably more through like being out on the course and at the conservatory in Glasgow and playing with other people and like having that ability to just like play border pipes and like play along with people and with mm. the border pipes, you don't have anything in your mouth. So, like, mm. you, you, you can't just, like, sit and look miserable. Well, I, I don't think <laughs> you can. So, like, and then it ends up when you start to speak to people and thing, you know, you'd be able mm. to speak, to tell people what tune you're going into next or ask them what tune they're going into next or yeah. uh, things like that. So, like, once I kind of started to do that, it just kind of became, like, part of it. And then people start to enjoy it. So I guess you could have adopted it into your performance mm. of, like, you know. Um, actually, I remember in my third year, maybe it was my third year or my fourth year recital at, the RCS, one of the examiners was like, I felt that your movement was put on and you've been like, pra- oh. and like you've been practicing it in the mirror and I don't think it adds to the presentation and all that. Oh my. And I was like, oh yeah, because I stood in front of a mirror and like played my whole recital and was like, oh, I'll, I'll pop my right hip at this point and I'll, <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll lift my left eyebrow on this beat and like, it's like, 
I, you, I, I you clearly know popping didn't do the hip that. is what's going to win it for you anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, and I, I do that. And like, I do, it depends. It's just, it's just, but you know, you start to get a thing and it's nice when people know it, recognize that you've got a, you've got a thing that you do um, as well. And then like, you know, laterally, I'm, I'm, I'm full time with the Chili Pipers now. Like that yeah. is literally the whole, the whole gig is being larger than life and trying to be as engaging as possible. Right. So like, I, I basically kind of do that as a job and now and it just kind of comes naturally as how I play but I do I try to stand still in the pipe band and I, I do I can if I need to I would be serious <laughs> but I also don't feel like I play as well but maybe it's just a kind of psychological thing now of like yeah. I feel like I need to try and feel it a bit to, to play better especially at the solos yeah no, that, that, that it, it's interesting to get inside your head a little bit about that um, yeah now, now I, I don't know if this is necessarily applicable to like it being emotive and stuff like that because I don't know what it means, but track nine on the album is called Accidental Belterism. I wanted to figure out what the heck belterism is was right, and and so well, when, yeah. When, whenever I whenever I do want to figure out what it is, like what a word means, my favorite resource is Urban Dictionary. You ever get on Urban Dictionary? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's in there. Uh, we, is it? Yeah. And here's what it says. Tell me if this matches what you were thinking. Or definition number one, at least, is that a, a belter is something that's really excellent or very good or very cool. It's so like, whoa, that's a real belter. Like, what a belter. So, right, yeah. so, like, belterism would be, like, awesomeness, I guess, in a way. Yeah, okay. What, what, what do you think? How would you have defined belterism, and how does it happen yeah. accidentally as well? <laughs> yeah, so, well, that, that came from, I don't I, I think that it was, like, an accidental phrase, accidental mm. belterism, but I think, like, so, like, um, be, like, belterism, I guess, in Glasgow, certainly in the kind of, um, I guess the, the Glasgow Urban Dictionary, if you like, mm. belter a belter would more like yes, that is like that is the meaning of belter as I know it as well. God, that tune's a pure belter. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. But the way we talk about it is like someone who's like maybe I don't know a bit annoying or like uh. not so good. You know, like yeah, oh, sure. that guy. That guy's a pure belter. Oh, like, gotcha, you know, yeah. like he, he's he's like maybe like that person's annoying to be around or. Um, or they think they know about stuff and they don't, or it's, it's like th- things like that. Maybe would would be like my definition of a belter, and probably like all my kind of friends' definition of a belter. So, so but like, so I, I I think the whole belterism thing and the accidental belter came from like doing something silly and then being like, oh, that was a bit of accidental belterism there. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. So See, like, that that's where. I, That's I wonder, where that like phrase came from. I, I wondered too if the accidental part was like uh, cross fingering or something like that. Like, oh, your your accidentals oh, yeah. are real belters, kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah, no, clear maybe, it up maybe, you, you, like yeah, I, we can go with that if you like. But no, it yeah. definitely it came from. I, I yeah. Oh, oops, that was a bit of accidental belterism there. Uh, and yeah. then someone was like, that would be a great name for a tune. And, and then, it's like, a great I had tune, a tune too. Love that tune. Like, I had it as um, we had, yeah we called a 
I did an EP with Charlie who plays fiddle on on the rope. Yeah. Um, just like as like a duo, just the two of us, and um, that EP was called Accidental Belterism as well. And we played that tune on it as well. But by um, the way, Ross, have you ever looked up the definition of Ross on Urban Dictionary? No. Well, do, do I want to? Do, do you want to know what it says? I'll tell you if you want to know. Yeah, sure. Go for that. All right. Here, here. This is definition number one for what a Ross is. Okay. Ross is the type of guy who will fall in love with his best friend's sister. <laughs> he, he's not really a simp type of guy, though. Ross will always have a close friend who is a simp, but Ross doesn't judge. So it's all okay. Ross doesn't <laughs> really get in much trouble. And Ross makes bank. Ross also is hella thick. He's got, he's got a booty that will be much appreciated in the near future. So find yourself a hella thick Ross. There we go. That, that <laughs> sounds about perfect, doesn't it? That's a good definition. Uh, that, eh? that's, yeah, that, that's definitely um, better than the, the key ring I've got from Scotland. And I think it says, and I think I can remember this off the top of my head, it's like Ross. From the Scottish word from headland, he's solid and reliable, a maker of dreams that can come true. Uh, it's like something about like I can't remember, and then it's like at the end, it's like he is good to be with. But hey. like that's that's I, I definitely prefer prefer the Urban Dictionary one. I might get a, a new keyring to go, there you go. to go alongside to go alongside the the mythical Scottish one. Maybe 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 the mythical Scottish version of 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 thick is is did it say reliable or solid? Maybe that's yeah, the way yeah, they used to so, say. Yeah, huh? that's it. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> And actually, uh, speaking of thickness, um, let's talk uh, face follicles. Uh, I put out word to some of my, my my Patreon supporters and some people on my Facebook group and stuff. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be talking to Ross Miller. I'm really excited. Anybody have anything to ask him about? And a few people did send him messages, but more than one of them was, how does he get his beard to look that way? So if this interview <laughs> becomes like 90% beard talk and only like 10% bagpipe talk, maybe that's okay. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's fine. I can't believe you haven't won one of the Rab Awards for your beard yet. Have you? Oh, even... it's, it's not long. It's not long enough. It's uh, I've never been nominated for, length, for it. Yeah, I feel like we ought to yeah, be like, also be going know, for I, like quality. I feel like quality. I've got nothing. I've got nothing on Gus Sickard or mm. or uh, Andrew Fusco. I guess they, they they've got they've got all the the length, but I've just got a bit of like mine's just thick and kind of well maintained. Perhaps I try to. I try to take care in the way that it looks. I try not let it get shaggy and horrible. But it's a, no, a top-notch to, quality beard. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I just I go to a guy in, in Deniston and he, he sculpts it for me maybe once every <laughs> three weeks or two weeks or three weeks. You know, not is, is just not long ago at all, I was at the at a local Scottish festival and um, Aaron Shaw of the Wicked Tinkers was there. And he, we were talking tunes, and he, he was, he, he likes to dig into like the history of tune names and stuff. And we're talking about sure. the Black Bear, uh, a band had played it out of the circle. And he said that he was trying to figure out a while ago where that tune name came from because he didn't understand that there had been many bears in Scotland for a very long time. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and he said that he'd read that maybe it used to actually be called the Black Beer. Um, but now, now I'm wondering if we could just retitle it the Black Beard. The Black Beard, yeah, that's yeah. this is like a good plan, yeah, yeah. And actually, uh, speaking of naming stuff after you, Ross, I, I've got I've got a question I want to ask you. Um, so I've got this harebrained scheme. My intention is to make a limited run of bagpipe themed hot sauces. Um, <laughs> so like like I want I haven't even I even talked to Big Rab about this yet, but I want to make one called a Big Rabanero, and it'll be a habanero uh, based based yeah. hot sauce. 
And uh, I've been ch- chatting with some of my friends about the other Ross. Well, one of the other Rosses, right? Uh, Ross Ainsley, how we could do maybe yeah. like make a Ross Painsley, right? Because it's so hot, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah, no, that sounds good. Hypothetically, if I was going to make a, 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 a hot sauce based on you, we need, we need some hot sauce names. I think we, we could play oh. with the Roke and call it the Choke, maybe. It's so hot it chokes. Yeah. 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 What if we went with Sauce Miller instead of Ross so, Miller? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I didn't think yeah, maybe maybe we, maybe we could play with Spanish too, where like, you know, you do crush up the peppers to make the hot sauce. Maybe we could call it El Molinero instead of the Miller, El Molinero. Yeah. yeah. What, what about this one? Speaking of belterism though, accidental swelterism. That's great. I think that's that, that's maybe my favorite so far. Is that your favorite so far? Yeah, let, actually, it's a spelterism. Let, let that let that percolate in your mind, and, and if you come up with others in future, let me know, and we'll, we'll, we'll make this happen. <laughs> we'll make this happen. I'll, I'll get you a bottle for free, a bottle of your own personalized uh, hot sauce, huh? Sounds good. <laughs> I, want, I want to hit another track, if you don't mind. Um, I, yeah, I, of course. I also, track six on there, Quartet, is, like, disorienting to me in the best possible way. Like, I thought it's so cool, <laughs> but, like, I don't understand what's going on. played in like an existing idiom that i just don't understand or was this like totally like is it totally unique no i i don't yeah, i i guess it's, it's i don't know if it's unique but it's certainly it's not like in a like uh a meter right if you like it's not in like four four or six eight or any of these or even like the kind of more common um bulgarian ones like seven or ten or mm-hmm. eleven um it's, it's just it's basically like it's like a phrase of like four four, and then with like a, I guess a one eight bar, just like a quaver. Right. Yeah. So it goes like dee dum dum dee dum dum diddle dum dee dum dum dee dum 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 bum dee dum. Yeah, that's the one. yeah. So it kind of it kind of catches you. That was actually funny when I try to write it. I try to write it down. I guess, and even just for me to like play it, but also then further than that to then put it in the book. Um, and try and kind of trying to like quantify it into something. Yeah, how do you it's write like, this down that other yeah, people yeah, understand so it? Was, yeah, so it was just like made it like the phrase of four four, and then the one eight bar, and then four four, then one eight. But I guess the the helpful thing with the book is like the CD was already there, or this yeah. you know, the album was already there, so like you could listen and go, oh, I get how that works. 
And then the last phrase is just in five. It's just five beats. Like, so it's just one, dum, dum, be, dum, dum, five, one, da, da, So it's just, it's just like, and then it's just a jig after that. And it, uh, the whole world feels normal again. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's part of why I like it so much is that like, because it's not in something that I'm used to that I can click, like it's, it, there's so much unpredictability there, especially the first time listening to it. It's like a, yeah. it's like a practice in like, uh, in a, in like Buddhist wisdom. Like I must <laughs> let go. If I try to hold on, I'm going to be confused. All I can do is let go and let this song sweep me away. Yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, it's also weird if it comes, if it's out of context, like if you listen to the album and kind of order it kind of makes a bit of sense in terms of like it's the one where i'm on my own but mm. there's four of me i guess but it's just it like it kind of makes a bit of sense in the context but see if it comes on shuffle it's it's totally insane mm. yeah as well. yeah very confusing <laughs> <laughs> now did you in recording this album did you kind of going into it already have enough experience with like microphones and how to capture the sound of bagpipes and stuff that you knew just what to do or was there a lot of learning to be done to figure out how to capture? Because the, the uh, what do you call it? The production quality is really great. Like, this sounds so good on any kind of speakers or headphones. Yeah, I think, well, maybe a bit of both. Like, I'd spent a lot of time in studios just when we were at uni. We were very lucky there's a studio at uni mm. where you could just hire it for free and just record whatever you like. And then um, also, like, we used quite a lot of, like, so it was dust at it who recorded the album in his studio in Glasgow and near Charing Cross um, at the Mitchell Library, like is where his studio is, near the Mitchell Library. Mm. Um, and But he, he'd like, he's also recorded bagpipe things before and knows a lot of pipers. And we also use quite a few reference tracks. Like I was like, oh, I want the pipes to sound like, uh, you know, I think the Scott Wood Band album, mm. his pipes sound amazing. So I was like, well, I want them to sound like that. Like, but obviously they, they don't because I'm not playing his pipes. But... Mm like the way that the actual pipes are captured. So yeah, and it was we actually used different techniques as well throughout. So if it was a big band set um, and there was drums and things, I played just chanter mm. um, and then added drones later. Um, but whereas if it was an exposed thing where it was like just me and maybe like, you know, me and the piano or me and my own or mm. um, even there was the, maybe the kind of four-piece band, like the four-piece ones where it was like guitar, um, guitar, fiddle, and baran with maybe a bit of bass. Like those ones, I I played the full pipes because I felt like you can tell, you can hear when you're not playing the full pipes. And as you said, in the high A, mm -hmm. like I when you've not got the drones there to like add a harmonic or like add a bit of vibration, you, you can really hear when the pipes are not um, like when they are like kind of artificial, if you like, when you're not playing the full thing. Yeah. Whereas in a big band set, you you can't hear that because there's so much going on, but also it's good because it means you've got more control over the the tuning and like you know even the timing you can move it. Whereas you can hear the drones shift. Yeah. If you, if you start to edit with right. drones on, they kind of they phase, it, don't yeah. they? Yeah. So like so to yeah, I would record the like I could record in as many sections as I liked with just the chanter. Yeah. And then I would just do a whole run just playing drones. Did you find that um, was hard, like to hold the drone steady without a chanter going? No, they just uh, that's it's totally fine. You just put the, the cork in and mm. and just stand stand like strike it up, stand for the whole thing, and then just stop when at the end. Yeah, like I, I, that's something. Yeah, well, like when 
because we play K and then the Inverary band, like you have to, to get going, I guess you 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 blow just drones for ages. So like I'm used to just blowing mm. drones. Mm-hmm. So you <laughs> get, you had training. <laughs> yeah, by, by accident. But like, yeah, no, yeah, I don't think that's, I think it's not something that I, I, I personally particularly find hard. Like, yes, I get that it is probably difficult for beginners or whatever. But because, um, yeah, I always do that with even if I'm teaching, um, I go chanter first anyway. I know lots of people, particularly, I guess I don't want to be, but particularly in America where I've seen it, is they go, they go like, learn the tunes on the practice chanter, pipes, but they go drones instead of chanter, which mm-hmm. to, to me doesn't make much sense. I can see the thinking of like trying to get the drone steady and all that, but mm-hmm. you've just spent all this time being able to play a tune on the chanter, so why would you not then just like go onto the pipes and try and play that tune on mm-hmm. a chanter on the pipes and then add the drones? Like mm-hmm. that to me is a more kind of fulfilling path like maybe it's maybe also why people would would drop out if they they're like oh I'm on the pipes but I'm not actually making any noise with my fingers. Well, you know, like you that. know, most of us who play bagpipes are just gluttons for punishment, and so we're 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 going to take the hardest possible path. Well, well sure, <laughs> but, and I, yeah, and I, I'm a big believer in it doesn't have to be hard, and and also like because because when I was well when I was doing lots of teaching, I've recently stopped doing teaching, but mm. when I when I do teaching, it's like. Um, I'm trying to make it as enjoyable as possible for people and as easy as possible. Yeah. And I know that that might go against some of the kind of more traditional methods in terms of like, well, you've just got to blow harder or, you know, right. like totally. that, that kind of idea. It just doesn't work, especially in this day and age when like young people, it tends, my experience generally tends to be young people who have been teaching, certainly when I was in schools and things. And if you're teaching a young person and it all of a sudden becomes a little bit hard, they're just going to quit and go and play video games. So like you're as well you're as well to make it as easy as possible for them, and then like obviously it, you're trying to get them to go through challenges to make them better people. But I think there's definitely a level. Whereas like I've seen it in, in my time growing up and all that kind of thing, people just like not getting it, not getting it. No one really just just blow harder, just blow harder. Like not mm-hmm. making it easier for them, or or like you got to play all three drones or you're rubbish and all this stuff. It's like. Like, no, just let them play. And then all of a sudden they'll like it more and then they'll go away, practice more. And then all of a sudden they'll be better. Your yeah. band will be better. Your, like, you know, your own playing will be better. It just, it just, it starts to be a domino effect rather than going, being able to play a tune on the chanter, which I guess is relatively easy. And then, then it's like, oh, here's drones. Try and keep them steady for the next six months. And then, but, so, but what about the tune I just learned, spent the last year just learning? Yeah, forget it while like, you're while you're doing yeah, drones. Sure, exactly. And yeah. then you try and play a tune and it's a disaster. Whereas if you go the other way, then it kind of keeps your, your tunes going, maybe. I, I don't I've know. Heard, I'm I've not heard... saying that's the, right, the best way, but it's... Yeah, I'm gonna set you. I'm gonna set you up a a, a head a head to head clash fight with uh, Andrew Douglas. You two can duke it out. Fight it, well, fight it, yeah. fight about which to do first. Because <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I I. I, I would imagine he doesn't go for drones first. He talks about rhythm. I know he does that. He talks about trying to get the rhythm before even playing the tune, and I quite like that idea. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think that it's maybe better when you've got adults who are maybe more willing to, like, because he generally speaking, generally speaking, teaches adults, and I generally speaking teach kids. But I think when you've oh, got yeah. adults, you like have like you, you have. There's a bit more kind of forgiveness there because they're. They're, they're they're you know they're, they're more willing to come up against challenges and try and overcome them perhaps oh that makes and, sense they're... And, and they're also there out of choice right totally Nine, like you know 90 percent of the time they're they're there because they're like i want to learn this instrument so they're going to do everything you tell them to do in order to learn that instrument 
Whereas if it's a kid and you've gone into a classroom and be like, who wants to learn the bagpipes? Mm-hmm. And they, like 10 of them say yes, then it's up to you to then make them want to play the bagpipes as opposed to, like, well, you know, they're, they're, they're not coming wanting to play. There's surely also kids who show up for lessons because their parents <coughs> sent them and never, you know, whether or not they want yeah. to isn't even a question. So then it's like, well, can we inspire them such that they'll enjoy it while they're here at least, yeah. you know? No, sure. There, there, there is that side of it too. But yeah, yeah, certainly my own experience in the kind of public school yeah. thing, you maybe experience that more in the private school where they're paying for the lessons. It's like, oh, it'd be good for you to play the bagpipes, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Whereas like if you're in the private school, sorry, the public school, which is kind of where I did most of my work, um, certainly more laterally, it's like you go in and you're like, right, we've got eight chanters. Who wants to play a chanter? Mm-hmm. So it's like, they, they do, yes, obviously they're volunteering because they've, they've heard you play Scotland the Brave and they think it's cool, but they don't appreciate the steps to get there. But yeah. No, I certainly think, yeah, trying to discourage people, like, well, I feel it's fairly discouraging to just go straight to drones. I know that was a bit of a tangent there, but no, no, it, may, it makes it's, sense. It's important. If, if people are listening here, maybe not as experienced or looking for tips and things, I certainly think that's the best. Turn off the drones and just try and play your tunes on the chanter. Get good at that first. Mm-hmm. And then put the drones on and worry about that after. Yeah, totally. Perhaps that that would be my advice if I had to give it. No, I dig it. But I, I can see, I can see the other side of it because you want it to be steady and all this stuff as well. Uh, but, and maybe some of each, right? A little, little, little from yeah. one and a little from the other. I, I have heard people talk before about like a uh, a hierarchy of motivations and how like at the bottom of that hierarchy is something like fear. <laughs> if you're doing something because you're afraid, yeah. like, I guess you do it, but that's maybe not a great reason for doing something. So if you've got like parents <laughs> sure. or a pipe major yelling at you, telling you you have to, then you'll go, you know, play your pipes if you must. And then above that would be something like duty, right? So like if you feel maybe guilted yeah. into playing pipes or like, Oh, I, I really have to do this, you know, maybe that's better than doing it out of fear, but it's still not ideal. But then at the top of the hierarchy would be something like love or joy. And so if you can get yeah. to where you're doing it because you love it, well, that's sustainable. You'll, you'll do that forever. Yeah. No, so, no, that, that's, a, I, that, I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. That sounds, yeah, that sounds exactly right. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about track eight on the album as well. I write.
is one that it, it's just I love how different it is the way that it sounds on um, the Roke compared to the way it sounds when you recorded it on Accidental Belterism. Um, like both are right, yeah, like yeah. both are so good, but they're so different from each other. And so I'm curious, like, was the way that you did it on the Roke kind of like your eventual vision that you wanted it to get that way eventually? And like Accidental Belterism was like a stop on the way? Or do they both, like, which, do you play both of them, both styles in live shows? Or like, you know, are they each of equal value to you? Or do you, is, is there one true way to play that? <laughs> that to, you know, like, no, is what, do you love one I, better than the other? Yeah, I think, I think the, yeah, if I'm honest, the accidental bedroom is like a stop on the way to getting it to what, how it sounds on the rope. Mm-hmm. There's, I guess, a lot of variables in terms of like, um, there's just three of us on the, because Luke's playing guitar on that and, uh, and I, on the accidental belterism EP, and there's the three of us. We're a bit less experienced. We're younger. We like, you know, we're less experienced recording. And I'm playing border pipes as well. So there's oh, not that yeah. kind of, as I was saying about like the kind of the drive thing of the Highland pipes. And then, um, you know, and we only had like you know three instruments to play with. Whereas as soon as you add a drum kit and a bass, mm. it immediately becomes pop music. Yeah. As well. So it's like you're trying to make it as poppy as possible. That kind of like feeling or. You know, you can just you can feel it a bit more kind of drivey, poppy mm. kind of thing as well. And then we put that extra the couple of tunes, like the dum the dum the lady and the that tune as well. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that that kind of that, that arrangement kind of came from when I was in the Young Trad final. There's a video of it on YouTube. People always talk about that and say they like it because I'm doing the eyebrows and all that. <laughs> yep. But, yep. Um, I know. I know the video. Yeah, I also like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it kind of maybe came from came from that as well like mm-hmm. that was the kind of vision and i was like okay let's go and record that with proper drum kit and like with people who like i play with all the time so mm-hmm. like it kind of came from that so that that's how it gets and but the, the whole original idea came from like the pipe band medley thing of like playing you know everybody do it and i did it in bog hall when i was there like sfu do it it's like you play the slow air over the top of the the last tune and it's yeah, like it's totally. a total like it's a total thing now and yeah. it's great and i think it, when it's done well it's really effective and I think it's it's a it's a cool it's a good tool. So like that's maybe a homage to that as well. The fact that I have that, but it's like let's do it in a kind of trad environment with other instruments. So yeah, you've got the the kind of dum 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 like the kind of hard pipey fast bit that Charlie is doing as well on the fiddle. So it just it just added layers, and we because we were doing it as an album, it's like you can add as many layers as you like. There's electric guitar in there. It's like right. the whole thing is just like as like you should see the your file. It just goes absolutely massive at that point, and then yeah. back to normal. It's about like, yeah. I think I think that was the kind of the end path, and it's just because it's a, a set of tunes that I felt that I played well personally, and like we as a group we felt like it was good, so it was it was good to record it in that kind of context, yeah. As well, like it, yeah, I feel like the accident of Battlezone was was how it was at that time, 
Because there's probably, I don't know, three years between those the two things. Mm. Yeah, it would have been three years between the two things. So, like, a lot could change in three years. You mature a fair bit. Like, we graduated and had been out in the world for a couple of years by the time the rope came around. I mean, especially like, three years in your early 20s. Those are, those are yeah. big years, for sure. Yeah, no, no, for sure. So, it's like, and then, yeah. So, it's, it's like how things sound and your your actual outlook on how it's supposed to sound or how you want it to sound completely changes mm. um, as well. And, like, you know, the quality of recording, the quality of musicians, everyone just gets better. Yeah. So, like, what, it just, it's, it's not, I don't think the belterism version is bad. It's just, no, I it like it too, evol- sure. it, it just it evolved into into this kind of the big, the full, the full orchestral thing. It is so big and, and then so it, then cool. it became, yeah. yeah. And it, and it also has, I feel like it's a really great example of like mode changes, you know, like minor to major, major to minor, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one of the things that, that did come in from one of my friends, uh, John Charles mentioned this, and he did want to make very clear, like he's a big fan. He's, he means this in like only a very positive way that the other day he was playing a set of tunes and he went, he, he did something like that. Like either, I don't know if he switched from one tune to the other where the one was major and the other was minor. Or yeah. if it was that he did a major version of a tune and then switched to playing it as a minor in a minor key instead, you know? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in either case, he said that as he did that, this little thing in his brain went, oh, I sound like Russ Miller. <laughs> like, what a, Ross, <laughs> what, what a Russ Miller thing for me to do, you know? <laughs> and, and said as a fan, right, he only thought that because he listens to your music so much, right? But uh, yeah, do, do you feel cool. like that kind of a shift in a set is something that really appeals to you personally, that, such that it comes out in your music uh, often enough that we would think to ourselves, oh, that's a Russ Millerism? <laughs> Well, that's really nice to hear, but I think that like, I think that comes from a like I heard that like or maybe it's the first time I ever went to the Ben Nevis session. I can remember, mm. I'm like, you know, I could play pipes, I could play border pipes. I'd done it at school, I'd you know, I'd, but I turned eighteen, I moved to Glasgow, I was playing the tunes. And I remember playing like a set of tunes, maybe just kind of treating it like a pipe by medley. Someone said like jigs, and I played like the Seagull, Kerry Gill support along, and I don't know, Spectre John or Camel Vanessa, something like that three tunes all in A, all twice through, because I knew, because someone had told me that you always play the tune twice through if you're doing these kind of things, which you wouldn't ever do in a pipe piping context, really, mm. um, unless it's like the Glenfiddich MSR. Mm. But, um, but like, you know, for jigs and all or whatever, you would only play them once, and then you move to the next one. And I played them all, and they're all in the same key, and, I, and then I remember the guitarist, who's actually the guitarist on... <laughs> Um, that accidental belterism. Oh, look at that! I write track that we're talking about. Yeah. Um. So look, he was he was just like, oh, you, you know, you could just like you you should like probably try and change key with every tune that you play, mm. and that makes it way more effective. So like basically, ever since that day, every time I play a set, if I lead a set or I do a set, and it's for the same for the Kayleys, like we do when we play Kayleys and things, it's like we you make a really conscious effort to never play two tunes in a row that are in the same key. Yeah. Interesting. So it's just something that I've just like done and I brought that into my pipe and like I would try to do even try to do that. Maybe you can't really avoid it in like an MSR situation and for solos because someone else is picking the tune, so they're picking sure. the keys. Yeah. And you and you don't want to play like four different tunes and four different keys because you can still all pick the same keys, if that makes sense. Right. Because right. like a judge doesn't think of that. They don't they just go, oh, I like that tune, I like that tune, I like that tune. They yeah. don't go, Oh, that's a good key change between the Shuspay and the real. Mm-hmm. Um, but like whereas like you know you think of that and then you, you see that happening now more and more in pipe band medleys I think successful pipe band medleys you can there's key changes every tune because it I, keeps the interest up 
I might be, it might be my own ignorance speaking here, Ross, but I have definitely felt like when I was like a teenager playing, playing pipe band competitions, it seemed almost like the intention when setting up a set was to keep them in the same key and mode throughout like that added to the cohesiveness. But then you're more recently, it feels more like, no, the intention is to, like you say, keep the interest up. So you need some variety. So change keys is actually the ideal. Yeah, I, no, I, I completely agree with that. I think mm. certainly it's more, but that's because there's more people who have got more knowledge about music mm. that are playing pipe band. Like, I'm not for one pl- second downplaying pipe band musicians or people like you know, who who played the pipes for the last 150 years, 200 mm-hmm. years. I'm not the, but like certainly in the last, say, 20 years, certainly since I've been involved in it, even you listen to the worlds in 2003 and the worlds in 2023 mm-hmm. or whatever, you, you, you would really notice. This, the the quality of musicianship because people there's people in all of these top bands now mm-hmm. and probably in lower grade bands who just know more about stuff you know you've got people in there who are writing these like brilliant harmony arrangements and these the the order of the tunes it's like there's key changes happening there's like style changes happening and there's all this like we even talk about it in space and everybody like one will be like in a floaty and then the next one will be driving it's in the new medley this year one's like da 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 be da 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 and then you go dum da ba dum ba da 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 the drive changes and that's an effect because you're changing the key you're changing the kind of impactfulness of the tune and it's like that that like somebody has thought of that but it also maybe comes from over a natural place now because it's just something that you do now. Yeah. So like that, like to me, like I would hope. Well, maybe there's there's a maybe like you've always got to change something. I think when you're doing a set, that's something that I would say, and I would give that advice to anybody. If you're trying to put a set of tunes together, you're either changing the key or the time signature with mm-hmm. every tune that you that you play in mm-hmm. a row, unless it's Scotland the Brave and the Round Tree, because <laughs> somehow <laughs> right. that, that seems to work. Yeah. But there's also something in there. I was talking about this with a student the other day. It's like Scott and the Brave is like super busy and super hard. And then the round tree is like super open and way easier. Yeah, that's true. So it's like, like, you know, that even that kind of changes feel. So that's why that is a successful pairing of tunes. Mm, that's like, interesting. You know, where it, so like, like yeah, and anything you play, if this goes out to all pipers, like anything you play, try and play like, and like, you know, try and change the key or change the thing. And if you don't know, Basically, if you're playing a tune that's got lots of A's, C's, and E's in it, follow that with a tune that's got lots of D's, F's, and high A's in it. Mm-hmm. Like, as, as simple as that, if you don't know about the key. And then if it's got lots of B's and it sounds sad in it, then that's good to go in between the two. <laughs> that's This is really, really, uh, really well boiled down practical <laughs> advice. I appreciate that. I think that's that's... Like in this very simplest form, that's what you're kind of always thinking. Yeah. Like certainly that's why I'm like you know, and that'll generally be successful. Obviously, there'll be times where it's not, that that basic thing doesn't work. You know, it's the same as like that spelling thing you get told when you're like in primary school, and it's like I before E except after C. And yeah, it's like, there's oh, always but an actually, exception. Yeah. Except to all of these exceptions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, there 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 is a bit of that, but I think as a general rule, if you're going to play a tune. You're talking about that mum and dad set. Like those tunes are both in the same key, but one tune's in simple time, and one tune's in compound time. So yeah, like, something has changed. Yeah, um, as well. And you've got the um, added bonus that someone's playing with you, so they can do something different too. 
Right. But yeah. I, I, I feel like, you know, you're talking about like, you know, the, the rope, that, well, that I write track goes like a three, four march in B minor, but then it goes to the major first reel and then it goes to the minor. But then even within the tune, the, there's two parts that are minor and then the third part becomes major again and then it goes mm. back to minor. So it's like you're, you're, something is changing all the time because, you know, it's the, it's the TikTok culture, isn't it? We're, mm. we're only engaged in things for, for yeah, 10 five, seconds. Five, six seconds, yeah. Yeah, I find that myself. I'm getting so, I get so bad for that now. It's like I can't watch like YouTube videos, that kind of long form things at all. You give up on them, right? Like films, because you're just like this is not getting to the point quick enough. We we all need to play more Peabrook <laughs> to help us slow down, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, is this done yet? So then, so then Ross, like John Charles, continues here. He says, um, "Would Ross be happy with the idea that a key change might be called in future the Ross Miller move?" <laughs> I'm for not for one second suggesting that I've invented key but, changes. But, That's but the... what, recognizing that, of course, again, you're a very nice and down to earth person, right? But but what if this happens, right? What if a hundred well, years from now nobody knows why, but it's just called a Ross Miller when you change yeah, keys? Well, that, would you be that? Would with be it? lovely. It's that whole <laughs> thing of like, what are people going to remember you for when you right. die? What's your what's your legacy? Your and beard, probably, it, right? It, it, well, it, it was my beard, and it's telling people that I've got to play that if, if I've. And, and like I don't know, encourage people to not just play four, four, four marches in the key of A. Yeah. Then that's um. That, then that and then I've I've succeeded. You'll feel good about that that yeah, uh, that legacy, huh? Yeah. No, no, for sure. That that's definitely the that's definitely a thing. So your first name is Ross. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoy everything I've been able to find on YouTube of you playing with a guitarist whose last name is Ross, Caitlin Ross. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you two play together great. Is there any potential for a future album from the two of you? Because I love hearing you play. Oh, I don't know if that would cause too too many uh, arguments. That's my girlfriend is Caitlin, so oh, is um, <laughs> I, I um, yeah, I, I don't know if that would it would would fall out beyond repair if we had to go into a studio and yeah, to, you would you wouldn't want that. So so how about this? If if the relationship doesn't work out, then make an album. How about that? Yeah, that, yeah, maybe <laughs> that, and, and there'll be an album of rage. There you Maybe. go. That, hey, music's all about tension and release. So if there's a lot of tension, seems, there you go. There you go. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Well, yeah, Caitlin's in her, her um, she, she's a musician in her, in her own right. She plays, she's in a band called Aval and they've mm. got Piper and things and she sings Gaelic and that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she, she's a great guitarist as well. And she, she, like we play, but that, those, those videos came out of a, uh, like lockdown thing of like, we've, we've, neither of us have done a gig. With, yeah like you know the people that we normally play with in so long so let's just like sit down and play and then i was like oh shall we record a video and then i don't know if you've ever seen i don't know if you've been on my facebook but we did like a bloopers reel and you could kind of see the yeah. <laughs> the, the the making of it's not it's not all shiny and as as much as you think Ross, it took us like a took us a week to record that um i do like what ale is dear and alexi mcgregor set yeah yeah it, it was good so <laughs> it was so bad but that's that is exactly a big part of what I love about what you do. Like, like, like uh, when you did that interview with the Channerant guys, that was the first time I've ever heard any bagpiper talk openly and without any sort of like embarrassment or trying to hide it about how like sometimes in a studio album it actually works best to record the chanter and and drones separately. You know, like, and maybe others have talked about it. And I just never heard it, right? But it's like this this willingness to show the process. You know. And, yeah. and, and part it's like, it doesn't take away from your finished product in any way, you know, like you're still one of my very favorite, uh, recording pipers to listen to. 
it, in fact, it enhances it. Be, and in a way, it is like way more encouraging for us normal people, you know, because if uh -huh. all we ever get yeah. to see or hear from our heroes is the shining final product, we assume that they're doing that immediately, you know, like without, yeah. without building up to it in any way. And hey, maybe there's some prodigies who are doing it immediately. But to know that there's like this human side, it's not like that makes me think, oh, good, then I can play like Ross Miller someday. But it does make me not feel bad about when my stuff isn't shiny. You know, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. To get to the show. That's why I think you'll find if you listen to people like anybody of any kind of level in the piping scene, they generally don't change their repertoire that often because you get so polished at stuff that it's difficult to get other stuff so polished. Mm -hmm. that you just, it's easy just to play the same sets all the time because you're like, people haven't heard it live. Like, I think that's maybe maybe a thing. Like, you, you go to a Stuart Little recital or a Willie McCallum or an Angus mm -hmm. McCall recital, and these guys, will generally speaking, they'll play the same five sets and then they'll maybe do, like, three other new sets, mm -hmm. for for instance. And it's because they get so polished at that that it's like, well, why would I play anything else? Because I'm so sure. polished at it. Yeah. Um, and I like I, I've never asked him that, but like I assume that that's where it comes from because I find that myself. Like I'm like you know you talk about the I write set that's had so many iterations because I feel like I'm good at playing that tune. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like why makes would sense. I like you know try like I'll try and make that set better. It's not you know it's, it's maybe 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 that's maybe that's a, a thought. Yeah. That, like you know like once you get good at it like try and kind of maintain good at it and try and get everything else as good as it. <laughs> kind of yeah. Thing, perhaps as well, but no, no, for sure it's definitely like that that lot like you know anything that you're putting out content wise and i'm sure if you speak to any kind of content i'm not saying i'm a content creator but like anytime i put out a video or anything like that does appear to be polished there's definitely been lots of swearing lots of you know th things that haven't gone right and lead up to that you never you never get it right first time or i certainly don't your, your willingness um, to show that is very much appreciated yeah, and, I, and i'm and i'm more than willing to show that because i know that everyone else is the same even if they tell, I guarantee that everyone else is the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, and speaking of creating content, I hope that come the holidays this year, we'll get a lot more uh, great videos that like like what you put out before. The, well, well, hopefully, I do. I do enjoy doing that, but I, I, you know, sometimes I feel I feel a bit of pressure that. Yeah. But there's there is only so many Christmas Christmas carols, and there's That's only true. That, and within that, there's only so many Christmas carols that fit in the pipes. Yeah. Or songs, um. So, but I've but now I've managed to get the kind of. I found a trick of getting the kind of backing track thing, so I don't need to spend so so long making backing tracks. Like just get using a karaoke backing track off right. YouTube, basically. You know what? Okay, and, Ross, and then oh, and then ahead. being the singer. Sorry, am I giving away the trade secrets? No, no, not on the contrary. I I realized that like I've been keeping it for over an hour now, so like I'm trying to like decide what I can like cut from what I wanted to ask you about. But that's one of the things I thought. Oh, I'll, I I won't bring this up, but since you bring it up. It came up in the Channerant interview as well, and I've just been thinking about it ever since then. Dude, what about a karaoke album for The Roke so that us pipers could buy your book and learn some of the tunes in our own, you know, as well as we could, and then just hit play on the album and play along with it? I, that would be so fun. What, without the pipes in it? Right, right. Just everything well, we, except the pipes. Yeah, yeah. we, 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 tr we kind of tried that with um, that karaoke competition or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, right, that's right. I remember that. When I, was, I, when I watched I was like a half dozen book. of those entries. Yeah, those were cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah, it's just that kind of thing. Do your own thing over the top of it. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I changed the key and stuff. But maybe, but I guess it's more just about like you know trying to go dig up the stems because you'd have to remaster it because like, yeah, you know, that's what, true. What be a lot of work. Huh? To mixing and mastering, you have to then like take out the pipes and remaster it so it like sounds good with 
out the pipes kind of thing and all that. So it's it's not just the same as I don't know how they do it for karaoke tracks, but I think it's some sometimes they often like there's like some kind of e-chewing thing you can do to take out the vocal, which I don't think it's as easy to do when the when the vocal, if you like, is the bagpipes. Right, is the bagpipes. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, sure, that's it's, it's maybe a maybe an idea. Well, well if it ever happens, I, I, you'll I feel have like customers. there's not. <laughs> I, I feel like you know the mileage coming out of that is not. Um, it, yeah, no, it might not I, be there's, worth. There's, there's only so there's only so much mileage I'm going to get out of this rock album now. It's three years old, you know. It's um, it's, it's maybe time to try and kind of focus on doing something new. So let me <laughs> let me well. just say, like, aside from Catherine Tickle's albums, of course, um, anybody who doesn't have the rock yet, go get it. It's such a good album, freaking great. Yeah, and and there's a book as well, which is um, the the boxes make a a lovely uh, as much as they do make a lovely table. Oh, it's, for sure. Uh, it's it's nice to to get rid of parts of the table. As you That's sell, right. as you sell books and CDs. The uh, the um, the 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 book when you you did mention like you had the album and so then putting the book together. Did, this is this is something I was debating with my friend Jeremy and with John Charles the other day. Is like, and and it's actually kind of like what you already mentioned, right? Like the magic of trad music being that like a tune can be different from piper to piper, right? When when yeah. it comes to tune books, me personally, this is this is just the way I look at it. Um, I do like the freedom to be able to play my version of a tune. And often, really, if I'm honest, that's because I usually can't play it as well as the person who I've been listening to. <laughs> but my excuse is to say, oh, I'm doing it in my way, right? Yeah, sure, of course. But when I'm looking at a tune book, I really, really like to have what's written on the page match what's on the studio album, right? And then be able to work from that. Do you feel like you were going for like perfect parody or was it kind of an approximation process? Yeah, well, no, no. So the, the book is... As far as I could push it at the time of making the book, exactly what I played on mm -hmm. the album, um, and like I, I think we got as close as possible. Like I, I sat and wrote it, and then my my friend helped me. He proofread it and was like, "Oh, by the way, you played a G grace, not there, not an E grace, no." Mm. So it got pretty meticulous. We, we, it, it got pretty, it got pretty mental at one stage. But it got got to the point where I was like, "Right, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> We've but, done enough." Um, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, I think that the that, that that was certainly the idea was the idea was you could open at page one and stick on Spotify at zero and get to the end and you would have been able to play all the pipe parts mm. exactly as I played it. Mm -hmm. And I even had to like work out how to write stuff um, that like, you know, that I basically like that has never really been written down before, like they kind of runs up to high G and stuff. Oh right, um, yeah. So that I was like having to like create grace notes for that kind of stuff and yeah. write out the cran things, um, the kind of whistly movements I was doing on low A and that accidental belterism track, right? And things. It's like there's 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 stuff that like I, I'm not saying I invented it, but I've, I've never seen it written down. So it's like yeah. um, like so it's like how, how do you write that? And <laughs> like you know, again talking about the quartet track, like how do we make this or how do I make this as presentable as I possibly can? Right, totally. Um, you know, and as understandable as I possibly can. Uh, you know, it's like to the lowest common denominator, I guess, is the yeah. is the idea. Where instead of just getting a tune book and going right, this is my, the thirty tunes that I've written in my life. Here you go. Right. Like, this is how they go. It's not. It's it's it is like a kind of you know thing, and it tells you more. It's like extended sleeve notes as well. It tells you more than the sleeve notes in the album. Mine's Here's in the shipping album. right now, so I'm looking yeah, forward to it's, going it's through those. Way. Yeah. Um, but the yeah, so like the the album sleeve notes obviously only had like twelve pages, or whatever. But each each track has got like its own page of writing mm -hmm. at the start of it for so it tells you about these stories about the tunes and things and 
man and i love where, that where they come from and things that those are my favorite tune books are exactly those ones where you can sit down for a session with it and spend about half your time reading as well as playing through some tunes i love that so much um, yeah no it's good Hey friends, I hope that you're enjoying the interview with uh, Ross Miller. I sure did enjoy talking to him. And um, if you haven't listened to The Roke yet, I, let me just highly and strongly and super duper, uh, as extremely as a person can, uh, recommend giving it a thorough listen. Uh, best of all would be to purchase it, uh, be that via Bandcamp or a physical CD or anything like that, just to get Ross some solid support for the great music that he's making. Um, but if nothing else, stream it. I mean, do both. Go buy the album and stream it and, and just leave it streaming overnight while you're asleep on mute so that the, you know, the pennies that rack up eventually from Spotify plays can get to them as well. Uh, you know, supporting musicians who make awesome music uh, might have a direct effect on having them, making them make more music, you know, so it's good. It's good support him um i'm i i just wanted to give you a quick reminder that the, the show can be found on social media platforms it's uh, at droning.on.podcast um all over the place and you can write into the show using the email address uh the droning on podcast at gmail.com all of this is in links in the show notes down below as well as some links to ross miller's work and i'm going to do a drawing here for the patreon supporters of the show um if you want to help the show out with money that's okay with me you can use Patreon, or you can mail me a check, or uh, send me chunks of gold bullion. Anything you want, I'll take it. I would even accept um, uh, discarded bagpipe parts as patronage. Uh, so we're going to do a drawing here. Uh, we've got 15 individuals currently supporting the show, and I'm very grateful to each one of them. So I've got a, a 20-sided dice here. I'm going to drop through my, my Cthulhu dice tower and just see what, what, the, uh, what the, the master of the depths Cthulhu himself decides here. The winner is going to get the uh, Roke Collection from Ross Miller, which is uh, the tune book as well as a physical copy of the CD. And let me tell you, they are beautiful, just beautiful. I went ahead and bought one before talking to Ross, and um, even though it hadn't, it unfortunately, it hadn't arrived by the time I did talk to him, or I would have brought it up with him in the call, but um, it arrived shortly after, and I am just nothing but impressed. It's a, it's a beautiful set. So anyway, let's see here. Going to drop the dice here and, and see where it falls, and... Anybody who supports the show in future, you'll just get added to this list for the, for, the, um, for the drawings that we do. So here we go. That's a two. Number two. John Charles. Well, how convenient. He's one of our uh, newest supporters. And so it's great when the... I don't want to make... Now, Cam Camille Late, also known as Osbrod, she was the first ever supporter of the show and I feel like she deserves to have always a place of honor as such and so I don't want to make it sound like I'm celebrating that the newest ones the newest supporter uh, you know uh, wins the prize when like the the longest standing supporters obviously ought to win this prize at the prizes as well you know like um, hopefully given time all this comes out equitably but I always feel excited when a new supporter uh, gets a prize just because it's like there you go validation that you've made the right choice <laughs> in supporting the show <laughs> So anyway, John Charles, I will have this uh, this headed. It'll be coming straight from Ross Miller himself. So it'll take a little while to get to you, but uh, I'll get it started right away. And, uh, and yeah, anybody else who wants to be part of those uh, drawings in the future and otherwise wants to just support the show because you're enjoying it, that's the one way to do it. Um, and uh, write in and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Enough of this blabbering. Get back to the show. Have a good weekend. Thanks again for tuning now, in. Now, I, I mentioned that I'm taking a lot of your time here. I, I can take us to the last track and we can kind of finish with that. Or I can ask you about two tracks. Do, do you have time for two or should we go straight I've to the last I've got time for one? two. No, I've got, to, I've got, I've got awesome. nothing really, really on this evening. I've 
Um, yeah, I've, I've played my pipes already today, so that's all I had to do. You're good. So, then. Uh, well, then, I'm, I'm good. Then before we go to the last track, I, I do like we we mentioned before, like how uh, it came up. Uh, what that um that music's all about tension and release. Yeah. Track four, the three set. Yeah. Right around three minutes is where like an awesome release of tension happened. Was that all original tunes for you? Was it a mix of originals and, and trads? I didn't know it. I didn't recognize him personally, so I, I wasn't sure. But uh, maybe just tell me about that set. I love that set. Yeah, so the first tune is called Chloe's Passion from Willie McCauley, which was written by Dr. Angus MacDonald, so Alan MacDonald's brother. Um, he, he wrote that, and uh, apparently um, William Angus was, or Dr. Angus was with um, Willie McCauley. This is how the story goes, anyway. Um, and they were in a bar somewhere, and uh, there was a painting on the wall. Who was um, was was couldn't take the, the painting couldn't take its eyes off mm. Willie Macaulay. So, and I think the more they drank, the more they started to believe that the the painting was looking at them. Huh. And the painting was called Chloe. It was all this person called Chloe. Uh. So it was Chloe, Chloe's passion for Willie Macaulay. Um, I believe, and yeah, that's like an E minor slip jig. It's kind of one of the very few things. So it's got that kind of gritty the it's a slip jig, so it's in nine eight, which makes it again slightly unusual. It's in, it's got like that kind of three feel. That's why it's called the three set because all the tunes have got three feel. Oh, gotcha. But it's like um like so there's always that kind of extra bit. So it's either it's either too short or too long. If that yeah, makes sense for all right. what we're used to as six eight. Um, and then the middle tune is that Angus John McNeil of Barra, which. Lots of bands have recorded that. I think um, like Dive and um, a band called Acid as well have recorded that. Mm. That's just like a drive, and again, it's in that key, but it's really driving. It's, sorry, it's in that feel, the three feel, but it's It's like it's got that kind of like head down, no nonsense driving thing. Right. And then the final tune was written by one of my lecturers at uni. Um, it's he's a, he's not a piper. He's a a, a flautist and a piano player called Hamish Napier. Mm. And he plays with Ross Ainsley and things. Um, and he yeah, he wrote this tune, it's called The Raft Race. 
Um, but it's just got that great the dandily dandily do dandily do. It's got that kind of like um, I don't know. It's just it's slightly unusual the second part, and it does it doesn't feel particularly pipey mm. either. So which is why it's cool to play it on the pipes, right? Um, but yeah, that ended up just kind of becoming like Gaelic. Well, Gaelic pop music, I guess if you if you like, mm. is that kind of like yeah, it's just a bit of kind of like feel good party again. Two minor tunes with the release into the the major yeah. major reel. It like you know it, it like it really does kind of yeah. You know, I, I can you know it feels like a kind of a bit of a party thing. I love I love the um, I I don't get into numerology personally per se but I just love that it's called the three set there's the divisibles of three in the in the in the time signatures and then you know uh, there are three tunes and it's around three minutes that that release happens oh, as well yeah. there's something and going well, the, on the, man the, the worst the worst bit is it should have been track three I, I completely missed ah, the boat there man there you go it ended up track four it was so close yeah <laughs> yeah. I think it was that that was more to help with the flow. I think. Oh uh, yeah, um, no, maybe it, yeah. It, it, the the album does flow nicely too, and that's another thing, Ross. That like you know, speaking of like I don't know, modern pop culture and stuff like that. Like we we are very much like a track based music listening culture yeah. these days. Um, where I don't know, I'm old enough to remember when that wasn't as easy a thing to do. You know, if you hit shuffle, yeah. it was shuffle on a an album that was in the machine. You know, and so you could only shuffle yeah. within that album anyway. So, um. I don't know. I, I still have a real strong love for an album that feels like it is not just a collection of tracks, but yeah. a thing a unto piece. itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think so. Hopefully and that, that's the I get that. Yeah. I think that that was certainly what I kind of tried to go for that the kind of the, the group of us tried to go for. And as I say, it kind of tried to have a bit of a journey in terms of the music. The, like it wasn't just like all the big tracks at the start and then kind of all the wee tracks after it was, it's got like you know starts and ends with big tracks there's a couple of kind of you know a quarter and three quarters of the way through and then the other tracks kind of fill in the gaps yeah as well yeah and in that in that track in particular too there was like a little bit of a i'm not sure if you call it compression or filtering i think it was in the transition from the first to the second uh yeah i don't i don't i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i don't feel like there were a lot of what you might call like computer tricks you know in this album like a lot of it felt pretty pretty much like these are the instruments playing you know, acoustically, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, was that kind of a conscious decision? Did you want it to have more of that sort of like natural sound and feel, or um, were you looking for chances to like pull in some of that, uh, you know, computery stuff? Maybe about both. I think maybe we just got overexcited when we got the drums in and we started to uh, record. And there's yeah. like bass, and then it was like, oh, what about this? It goes like, and then kind of coming back, <laughs> like making it kind of pure spacey, like, and it kind of comes back in. It gets really kind of goes really open and then comes really back together. Yeah. But like it's just, yeah, it's just more just like kind of like that kind of happened naturally, almost like after in the kind of mixing stage. Like, how about we do that? Or like you know, because I cut out and I come back in. How about like I kind of glide back in? Mm. But yeah, without making it super like overproduced and like over right like cooked even or just I guess maybe I was just a bit scared of doing that. Mm. But then I feel like if I was to do it again, I'd maybe have the whole band on the whole album. And maybe try and do more of that more often. Mm. Make it more like kind of like, um, I guess like pop music on the bagpipes instead of like kind of trap music with a like a little hint to, as I said, like that kind of party. Well, hey, next know. album, man. Next album. This yeah. one, this one came out. Was it on your twenty fifth birthday? Yeah, yeah. So let's not wait till your fiftieth birthday. Speaking of numerology, <laughs> right? Let's find another divisible that we can pull it in a little tighter because I want I want to hear some more. So, um. 
So I'm going to have links to the album itself and to your website in general and, you know, to everything we've talked about in the show notes for anybody who, who wants to go, go, go dig them up and stuff. Toonbook as well, right? I'll have links to all that kind of stuff. If you don't have it already, get this album. It's so good. Um, I think we'll go out with the, it makes a lot of sense to go out with the, um, I guess it's tracks 11 and 12, right? They kind of, yeah. they kind of work together at the end there. Um, yeah. So we probably should say something about what the heck the Roke is. And, uh, so yeah, yeah. Go go ahead. Um, so yeah, so the rook is the the full name of the tune is the rook, the row, and the wee pickle tow. <laughs> and it's it's an old an, an ancient tune, and it's actually the 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 town tune of the town where I'm from, Lamithco, mm-hmm. and which is um, for anybody who's not from Scotland, Lamithco is uh, I guess a commuter town for Edinburgh and Glasgow. It's on the main train line between. Edinburgh and Glasgow, mm. and it's probably it's closer. Say it's twenty minutes from Edinburgh and half an hour from Glasgow by train, mm. and maybe about similar by car as well. And um, yeah, so it's it's a small town where I grew up. And each year on the first Tuesday after the second Thursday in June, like you compute that. <laughs> That's um, fun. <laughs> th- 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 there's a day called the Marches Day, and this is quite a common thing, like the riding of the marches. You. You check the town boundaries. It's quite a lowland thing. Yeah. Um. It's and it's so it's on a Tuesday each year, and you get the day off school, which was always made it great when you were you were younger as yeah. well. But um. Yeah. So they they check the boundaries and uh, or there's like a, a group of people and like all the community groups come out and there's a procession and all this kind of stuff. But there's parades at five in the morning, six in the morning, seven in the morning to wake people up, and then <laughs> there's the main parade at eleven, and then we go and check. Uh, uh, the the town boundary in like a place called Blackness, which is at the sea at the the River Forth, mm. the kind of that's the harbour I guess for them let's go and historically, and um, so we go down there and then you come back and you do a final procession at the end of the day, whatever. But um, as Man, part that, of these that's a party day, jeez. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty mad. It was just actually last a week ago, and um, but I wasn't there this year. I've, I've I've tapped out now because I because I don't live there. I live in Glasgow, and my parents still live there, but and they were there. But when you um, gave the formula, I, I, I did start trying to calculate it, but I gave up before I figured out when yeah, the Tuesday was this month. Yeah, so it was last last Tuesday, but um, so but the um, yeah, but they're so as part of that, they've got like a a town crier, a town drummer, and also a town piper. Oh, ah, yeah. And I was the I was the town piper for for the, for ten years, and this was my first year not doing it. Mm. Um, so I, I was Town Piper and as part of my duties at Town Piper you've got to wake up the town at 6 in the morning along with the town drummer Nice. and so you play and this is the tune that you play at, mm. that, at that time and it's because it's the second one so everyone sings that back to you in the procession so you have to play it all day it oh. becomes the town it's the town tune and that's the kind of it's the anthem of the day so all the bands play it so everyone sings along to it not all day, but like you know, if you play it, people go mental for it. So yeah, um, so that's where that kind of came from. And as part of, I remember somebody once said to me as a super negative thing, um, "Oh, you're a like you're just a piper. You've got no sense of identity. You've got no sense of kind of <laughs> like, like you you know you're just like a pipe band piper guy." Like so, I remember that really annoyed me once. So I was yeah. like, right, well, my album's going to be based on the fact that I'm from a place and it's got a tune and there's a tradition behind it. Yeah. So, um, so I, so obviously, on the album we played, uh, I played the tune as as it is on the morning. If you watch the video as well, you can see me 
playing around the number ones. That's around Lomithgo. That's the palace where Mary Queen of Scots was born, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, and King James or whatever we lived there after that. So, um, so I, I, I pipe in around Lomithgo and then it kicks in with the band, comes fully in. And that's the track change, I guess, on the album. But yeah. it, um, when you listen to them together... And then um, it it's kind of it shows I guess it shows the the old tune, but then we play a tune again, but like as a jig and like you know with the full the full band drums and everything. Um, it sounds so cool it, too. It, it, it like just it shows like how how the music has moved forward. I guess that's the idea. It's show like where it came from and where it's going. If 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 any kind of track does that, and then it finishes with my own tune. Um, that, that I wrote as well so like and it shows so I guess I've started with like a really traditional tune I've then arranged a traditional tune and then I've got my own tune that's kind of how the path of that that track goes and um, yeah I think it's and then that's when again we went ham on all the production stuff mm. um, we like we get electric guitar and I'm playing like I riff the whole time on the pipes and then the fiddle kind of takes over and then it all kind of comes back together and it's got all the hits and stuff towards the end so it really is like a, a big grand, a grand finale of the the whole thing. Is this as well? I think I think anyway. Has has this album, or at least the recording of the Roke, become? You know, is it pretty well known back in your hometown? You know, like the people play us on loudspeakers on the what was yeah, it the third Tuesday uh, after the second yeah, Thursday? Actually, <laughs> actually, do you know what they they do? They that's a thing. Yeah, people Good. like that's awesome. I've, I've been I play it. Like, oh, we love that track, the Roke. It's, it's great. Yeah. And they watch the video. I, like people, I saw last, actually last week. People were sharing. The video of it being like, you know, like this is that's great. My this town. Is like my, yeah, that's my yeah. town, and it's, it's on the day today. So no, it's, it's cool. It's, that's um, awesome. And we, I did a gig there eventually because it came out in 2020, as we say. But mm. um, I did a gig there eventually last year because of COVID and things. Yeah. Um, and like lots of the local people came just to hear that track, and obviously it's the last one, so they had to sit through the rest. They had of the to gig. sit through everything else. <laughs> that was um, smart on your part. <laughs> Save yeah, that exactly. for the last one. <laughs> You played it first. All the neighbors who knew you when you were a little kid and stuff would be like, "There we go. We've yeah. heard it. Yeah, yeah, we've heard it right back." <laughs> but yeah, oh, no, no, it's, it's... I, I love thinking to myself too that, like, to some degree, this album exists as the, like a like a golden thumbprint.